Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 21 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. This is Todd Widener. Welcome and thanks to all the listeners we've had. We are pushed over 1,000 listens for our podcast, which is very exciting. We now have 29 followers on Facebook. That's what they call them. I looked it up. And getting up there. We are getting there. And we are 432 Twitter followers as of right now. I just looked it up on Anchor. We are also in 22 states. People have listened to us in 22 states. How are you this morning? Good. I mean, it's always good after a win, but man, we'll get into it. But there was a couple almost heart stoppages for me along the way. But yeah. Ugly game, right? No. Let's do the sponsors, though. Oh, so yeah. Get along too far. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com and Andy at thirdeyegraphics.net. I talked to Dwight yesterday. Uh, he is almost done with the shoes. At first, he was very he, – he told me he was just going to do colors, like Packer colors. Yeah, right. right. And now it's evolved into something much greater. I'll have to put something up how on our he, Yeah, you should. Because, like, how does he do that? I don't know. How do you make a custom shoe? It's amazing. I'll send a, put a picture up on the Twitter feed of yeah. something he did. He made shoes. They look like cartoons. I can't explain it any better than that, but it is bananas, the stuff he can do with shoes. I'll put them up there and you can see it. Um, hopefully, Dwight will have our shoes done so we can auction them off for a Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and that will be awesome. They, they're, yeah. I don't know what, how he does it. What brand is it? Like, Are they basketball shoes? So he just takes they, any shoes, right? So any, the ones that we're going to give away – I gave him a choice between two different pairs of shoes. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm not sure what shoes he picked because oh, I kind of oh. traded him like what here's you, two shoes. You keep the other one and do what you want with them and then make us some Packer shoes. What did you give him? What uh, were the two? Two sets of Nikes. One were – they weren't Air Force Ones, but they, they were Nike high-top basketball shoes like old schools. Yeah. And there was another yeah, pair. Of, I don't know. I'm sure he kept those so he could sell those because those are – more you know right. those are easier to turn into something sure. i don't know i can't remember that the other pair they were a little bit more old manish but they were super clean and brand new nice. so nice yeah we'll see what happens yeah uh, we're gonna I'm get that up there yeah so thanks to those guys so week 10 why don't week you start 10. what a uh against the one in what were they one in one in seven one in six jags one in seven jags yeah one in seven jags uh 24 20 came out of there with a win you know before we get into anything I mean this is part of being a Packer fan obviously but this was one of those games during the season where I am just so uncomfortable and I just I absolutely almost can't stand watching the game it's just so nerve-wracking I did not enjoy this game from start to finish at, at any one point I had a hard time too in fact when we were talking before we started recording some of the stuff, I missed some things because I just had to walk away from the TV, like to do oh. nothing, just walk away. Right. I would just walk around the house like, oh my God, I can't take it anymore. Yeah, it was hard to watch. I also have decided that I'm going to look into getting Game Pass because I think I need to watch the game for a second time when it's less <laughs> emotional to get more out of it because I just, yeah, I walked away yeah. many times. I kept walking away like, are you kidding me? It just felt like one of those games again, like the Tampa Bay game where we were just going to shit yeah. all over ourselves and we were going to lose this game. Yeah. That was for sure. And I, I had no plans on drinking yesterday. And early on, it was I, I was just already I was already up and going to the fridge. I'm like, oh my god! If we would have had beers at the house, I would have been drinking too. But I couldn't hit the hard alcohol because I had to go paint afterwards, and that would have been abysmal. And drive to get there, so right, no good. Well, that's even more torture. Where you know, like, there's a hard stop where you just you you, you cannot drink consume alcohol, and the Packers are playing the way they are against a one in seven team 
with the six-strain backup rookie quarterback in there. Oh, my God. It was, uh, it was hard to watch. But here hard. we are. So 24-20 Packers win. Not pretty. At Lambeau. The oh, wins a win. Wins a win. I put that on the Facebooks. Yeah. I'm trying to be more active on Facebook. I put that out there. Wins are wins. Sometimes you just have to eke through a game that you didn't deserve to win. Right? Yeah. They are the number one seed right now. They found a way. God, Man. the Jags are bad, though. They, they just have very – and they had uh, their wide receiver, Chenault, was also out, so they really yeah, were – they had nothing. I will say this, though. They, they came out unlike the Packers. They came out – now, they're going to play up to their competition, which they did. I think effort-wise, they came out much more aggressive in this game, and they were, they were being kind of chippy on defense, which is, I think, you know, credit to them. They came in prepared and ready to do that, and they, they were laying some hat and – Talking some shit, so. I, I totally agree. Like, I thought, team is that bad. Sometimes they lay down, and then the coach is going to get fired, and things are going to go way south for them. Yeah. But I don't see that with the Jaguars. I see, okay, we understand we're rebuilding. They're not going to yeah. get rid of the coach and that kind of thing. Right. And it's kind of like this statement game. Like, if they can beat the Packers or a team of that level, that becomes something. It doesn't. It's not a complete throwaway season at that point. Right. It's like their Super Bowl almost. And I thought they came out hot. Yeah. And they came out hitting guys. And we'll talk about this later, I think. But I think that teams are going to start replicating that. The Buccaneers did it. They punched the Green Bay in the mouth. Jacksonville came out and punched Green Bay in the mouth also. And it looked ugly. It's easy to drop a game plan against the Packers at this point, right? Football between the tackles and keep the ball out of Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' hands. End of story. Right, and you punch them in the mouth, and you right. make them uncomfortable, and they don't seem to have an answer physically. No, absolutely not. They are just, like, taking the punches. They're not returning anything. They're like a defensive fighter. I don't get fighter. it. I, I don't either. They don't have that guy. We've talked about no, it. They, they, don't they don't have Mike Daniels. They don't have Clay Matthews. They don't have that just that dick yeah. who is going to be nasty for no other reason. Kamal Martin, maybe. Kamal Martin was a little bit silent in this game. He wasn't real active, so there wasn't that. I think Rashawn Gary is that physical player, and he is a little yeah, bit he's... nasty, but he's not emotional. So there's no, there's that part of it, too. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. What are the highlights? I put the highlight for, for MBS. I felt as though he had a big day, obviously. Four catches, 149 yards, but the big one, obviously, was the 78-yard touchdown. And you didn't see him making any mistakes. At least I didn't. He, he didn't have any uh, clear drops. I think the pick that Rodgers threw, I don't think that that was his fault. I think that was just a completely bad throw. Yeah. Um, and when he was – that, that touchdown was crazy. You see the, the referee just get annihilated on that. <laughs> I put that on Twitter. He made a great block on that play. I mean, well, he, he caught, you know, and then that, that allowed the, uh, yeah, the defender to kind of just had to move that guy out of the way. You know what I was surprised in? It, it was a great touchdown. It was uh, obviously something that they were looking at, that, uh, a matchup that they wanted to exploit. But I kind of wondered after that, like, they didn't go back to that. Long why, why don't you go back to something similar, right? I mean, if MBS is your deep threat and he's proven that he can be, not consistently yet, but if he, if he is your guy and you're going against the Jags in this game, and granted there was a lot of wind in this game once again, right? So maybe the deep balls were few and far between, but I thought there might have been another opportunity to go big. I think it was the wind. I, I agree yeah. that they probably could have done this more than once. They could have went long more than once, but I think it was probably the 25-mile-an-hour winds, you know, that they decided not to do that. It was their one shot. Yeah, and the, the, the game – you know, situation kind of dictates those opportunities to, we're not going to, because of the flow of the game and the way the game was going, it's like they had to get back to some <laughs> some more consistent uh, offense and not maybe take some chances. But They needed to continue to move the football down the field because the game was close. So during the game, one of my buddies, because he knows I that we beat up on um, MVS all the time on the podcast, yeah. he listens to us or whatever. And he, of course, immediately after that touchdown, he texts me so, right. a sarcastic, like, MVS right. sucks text. And then they show the replay, and MVS almost fucking dropped that pass, that long touchdown. It was right in his hands. You, you got to go back and watch the replay. And he bobbled it. He kind of basket catches things. Like he does. Body, he, he body catches. He almost fucking dropped that. He, yeah. it, it, yes, if the, if the defender would have been a little bit closer, he would have been able to knock that ball out because yeah. 
he was bobbling it. it he didn't catch it cleanly. Yeah. And then the one, and then like two plays or three, you know, next drive or whatever, when he caught that one where Rodgers was rolling out to his right, MVS did a nice job of sitting down in the zone. He literally caught that with his arms and his elbows. Yeah, I saw that. It's it was what he does. Like, yeah, it was almost, I mean, it's hard to be critical of him, but yeah, it, it looked like he was being overly like, I can't fucking drop this. Right. I am going to be overly critical, yeah. but he had a very nice game. To go back to it, he did. he did have a nice game. They do need to run him long one or two times a game yeah. and actually throw that pass. Now, granted, the win, the win was a factor, but they need to at least stretch the field with MVS and see yeah, what happens because sure. he is athletic. He is fast. It'd be nice if he actually did a little bit and not just ran straight down the field. Yeah, very, very linear. There's yeah. no like dead leg. There's no like no. cut or there's. No, it's just no. going straight ahead. Yeah, but he had a he had a very nice. He had game. a good game. Yeah. 149 yards, four catches in that long touchdown. Yeah. And I don't think he did have a drop in this game. Would I don't. He, I don't. I don't believe he did. I put that in there. I, I don't believe he had any drops. I don't know how many targets he had, but well, no. Well, he had six targets. That doesn't mean he had two drops, but he had well, six targets. One was targets. the pick. I don't know if he dropped the other one, but he had a, he had a nice game. Yeah. Four, he, he had four, four for 149. That's an MVS game, right? Yeah, He's exactly. not going to catch 10 balls. He's just nope. not. And then I, I, the other highlight I had is I really felt in this, you know, this game needed, because of just the way they came out, so flat. So, you know, they were just not – on point at all. Nobody seemed to be really up for this game. And I felt as though Devante kind of put this team on his back and showed his leadership, even though he was hurt. I mean, I don't know. It looked like it was an ankle this time. I think that's the same same one that's been bothering him all, all season. You could see him running up and down the sidelines trying to get it right. And I'm thinking, man, he goes out of this game. That's their, that's the game. I mean, we could really be in jeopardy of losing this. And, um, I really felt as though he kind of made the decision, like, I'm going to work through this and, and put the team on my back because they need me kind of thing and, and stepped up as a leader. So I thought that was huge. Yeah, he did go back and get his ankle retaped after he heard it. So that, yes, it, it was an ankle. I saw, I don't remember where I saw this, but MVS was saying that nobody's harder on Devontae Adams than Devontae Adams. And that's what creates champions, right? That was, sure. is what creates great players when they are so hard on themselves and yeah, Adams had some, he struggled a bit. He fumbled that ball trying to put it in yeah. his other hand and you know, yeah. it happens. He dropped the ball that, you know, 99% of the time Devontae Adams catches. Right. So he did have some mistakes in this game, but he is that player, right? Sure. He's he, he's a dominant player and even if he makes mistakes, you go back to him over and over and over again because you yeah. know at some point He's going to right the ship, even if it's mid-game, and he's going to be great. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he had that really bad pick, and I will say that it was his fault, just like you did before. But Aaron Rodgers, he had a 108 quarterback rating in this game, which for him is his average over right. his career, which is just stupid. That's right. crazy. 24 for, 30, 24 for 34, 325 yards, two touchdowns. He had the one pick. He was good in this game, too. Not great. But he was good in this game. He, he is Aaron Rodgers. That's the Aaron Rodgers we're used to. And if we're talking MVP stuff, Russell Wilson was a really bad again yesterday. So I think that Wilson, with his multiple pick games for like the third time in a row, has probably written himself out of the MVP race. It's probably just so. Mahomes and Rodgers. Rodgers. This might be interesting now that I'm thinking about it. So the pick in this game was a pass attempt to MVS. At least one of the two picks in the Tampa Bay game was a pass attempt to MBS. I don't know about the other one. I but. thought it was to Adams, the one that the, not the not the pick six. And I want to think I want to say he went to Adams on both the pick six and the interception against Tampa was, Bay. I'm gonna look that up later. I'm but just trying. Was, to, I'm just trying to see. Where. Is he trying to force the ball to MVS once in a while? Yeah, or if they're just not on the same page like we've talked about. Well, yeah, that is the case. Times. I would say that none of the three picks, though, were MVS is running in the wrong direction. And no, I'm not trying to throw more blame on him, but it seems like they have trouble communicating on short yardage, MVS and, and Rodgers. When it's the long ball, and that's maybe where he's, his strength is, they seem to be mostly on the same page a lot, a lot more so, and, and more consistent. Right, because the long ball isn't a check at the line of scrimmage, no. right? Whereas that short... 
Like we, I needed you to do the five yard out because I had a guy coming to, to kill me. <laughs> he, they did have though. Let's just move on. So MVS had a decent game. Devontae had a, a, another nice game. So let's move on. What about the injuries in this game? Uh, it's all savage limp off. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's been his uh, lingering quad. He's been dealing with pretty much all season, at least the last three or four games. And then Tyler Irvin, which I didn't see. Um, I, the only reason I knew he was out was Sternberger was back for, for punt uh, return. Yeah, Jackson returning kicks. They had all kinds of dudes yeah, back yeah, there, Jackson right? Yeah, Jackson was back there. And that made me nervous. Me I too. I when, when <laughs> I didn't even know he was back there. And then the coverage uh, started coming down the field, and they were like, Jackson's back to the to field the punt. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God, no. <laughs> right? That's funny. We had the same reaction because I was thinking, oh, my God, what does he do? Like, he's the best option? Yeah, I didn't oh. understand that. So I was thinking when I saw Jackson back there, your guy, Perry Nickerson, I wonder what he shows right. in camp. Where? I wonder if he will be up this week. Well, they brought up a bunch of other dudes that I, I've never even heard of. Exactly. That's That was exactly my point. That's where I was going next. This Jawan Winfrey or whatever who made the field. That's something. Let's talk about that now. What the fuck is Jawan Winfrey doing out there on fourth down? A guy you just pulled off the shit heap. Like, I don't even know who that guy is. I didn't even know they signed him to the practice squad. Devontae Adams is not out there and Jawan Winfrey is out there. What? Yeah. yeah I, I, don't, I had no idea. Who that God. That's, that guy scares no one. They probably like they probably didn't even sew that guy's name on his jersey. Right. You know what I mean? Like he just markered it on. What the Jawan Winfrey? Anyway, so hopefully Irvin we'll have to keep, you know, tabs on Irvin's injury because he's far more valuable than I expected him to be. Especially yeah. with all the guys that are out, with Lovett being out and, and yeah. guys that go in motion. Now you all you have left is like Sternberger, maybe Tanya, maybe Jones seems to do that. Seems to go in motion for that screen type thing on the yeah. outside. He's very valuable. Like he can't keep getting hurt. Up to that point, Savage was having a solid game too. And I hope that that's things to come because we need him to be better back there. He needs to be that ball hawk, that guy that's after the football. He has not been that. I thought he, I thought he was doing well up until then. So get into offense. And like we talked about, MVS played well in this game. I know I beat up on him every doggone week, but he did play well. He didn't have a ton of drops. He didn't have that really ugly drop that we're used to seeing from him. I felt like this, I mean, as far as the season goes, this was his most consistent game he had. So one of the things I, one of the notes I had on him too is like, if he's so fast, I, I, I kind of feel like he can just like burn away from some guys. And like it's kind of the yards after the catch moment for me. It doesn't seem to be like there's something a little bit off or like missing there for him. And it's like I kind of feel like he could just, whether it's in stride or, or, or what, but he should be able to just lose these guys. And he just kind of doesn't he, – he, he shies a little bit away from contact a mm-hmm. little bit. I was just going to say that. But I, I, I'd like to see him, when it's yards after, after catch, I, I'd like to see that speed. He seems to, I don't want to say he goes down immediately after catches, but he doesn't look to make that big play. And right. I think the difference between guys like Tyreek Hill and, and those high-level speed guys in MVS is MVS does not look to score on every play, whereas some guys are looking to score on every yeah. play they catch the football. But good game. Good game. Um, the other thing was um, very quietly. Jones had a ninety-five total yards. I mean that that does you know when I saw the numbers, I was like, you know, forty-six yards rushing, forty-nine receiving. You know, okay, it looked like he was healthy. He looked that the injury wasn't bothering him at all, but. Man, he just had nowhere to go. It was kind of strange. I, it just seemed weird. I don't know. I know that they rotate Jones and Williams, and, and that's what they should do, I believe. I think they're doing that correctly, in my opinion. It just seemed like Jones was on a roll for a while. Like, he had a couple yeah. nice plays. He had the longer run and then, the, the like, a 15-yard catch or something like that. Like, keep going back to him and while he's hot. It was right? that first series that Williams came in where I was like, Oh, and I love Williams, right? But like you said, I think Jones was kind of on a roll and maybe took him out of his rhythm there. Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, quiet 95 yards. I mean, a decent game. We'll take it. Bumble was a bit kind of a thing. He didn't lose it. But, you know, like him dropping the ball, just it was one of those games where things were not going right. For anybody. I think they will get him back on track. And I mean, 95 yards is decent, and I think he's gonna have a big game coming up pretty quick. I have him on fantasy too, and I'm, I was chomping at the bit to get get a big game out of him. 
I thought he was going to get in the end zone multiple times. But like we mentioned, uh, Devante had eight catches on 12 targets, only 66 yards. So it was very um, short yardage. Um, but that touchdown he had, I, th- they showed that replay uh, many times. And he came back in and he was banged up. That ball had to be 10 feet in the air. Yeah. I mean, it was up there. <laughs> Holy It was God. a bad pass. Yeah. I mean, whether it was bad or whatever, just the – the ability for him to to go up that high to get that ball that was incredible that ball was way up there and he's six one i mean that had to be 10 feet yeah he's not six five he's not mvs he's not saint brown he's he had to get up and get it on a bad ankle and the guy with a guy who played him pretty well all game long i think it was it really pissed him off that this young guy was playing so well against him it just seemed and plus all the other things the drop and and the uh, fumble that he had seemed to lean towards, I'm pissed. I need to take this game back. And, and yeah. I think he did. On that play alone, that was just a crazy good catch. You, you know the fumble got to him, for sure. And the drop, because he should have caught that ball. That's a catch that he, he has 99% of the time, like I said right. before. So it was nice to see him come back. But there wasn't much good on the offensive review. Not really. I mean, not, nothing, nothing big there. But um, we do have a lot of uh, bullet points. Um, for the bad. <laughs> things that didn't go so well and I think the the, the number one um, thing that I think everybody saw who watched this game every Packer fan that watched this game was they, how flat they were and how the lack of focus and lack of lack of aggression I mean it, it just wasn't it wasn't typical uh, Packer football coming out you know the, up until this point in the season we're almost like a broken record every week it's like they came out first drive of the game they just like marched down the field it's been a consistent thing for the offense and didn't happen no, they went three and out. This is the first time I think all season that the Packers have not scored on their opening drive. In fact, I said it on Twitter, like, why would you defer to the Packers and give them the ball first? That seems like yeah. a bad strategy. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. I think they probably were looking at the wind, right, so they could have it in the fourth quarter at their backs and they could choose that or whatever. Sure that was the factor because there shouldn't have been any other. Yeah, that didn't seem like a solid decision, but it had to be the, the wind. It worked out really well for them, though. I mean, the Packers went three and out. They didn't score in their first two drives. But that's a bad strategy because you want to run the football against the Packers. You have to stay with your running game. And if you're losing 14 nothing, that has to go away almost immediately. So it made no sense. But they did come out flat, three and out. It just, yeah, it just didn't look like they had any energy in in the beginning of that game. They went three and out the next series. Too. I believe that's right. If only I could look it, these things I up. I think it was a right? couple. Um, but, you know, some of the things that contributed to that was there was no running game to rely on whatsoever. They had one first down in that second series. But, right, it was yeah. basically got on the field, got off the field. Like, they didn't move forward much. They had a penalty, a couple penalties, and they, you know what I mean? So they went from the 35 to the 42 with a first down. Right. So they didn't go far. Basically a three and out. It would have been nice to run the football, but they there just was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to go between the tackles. They they couldn't. Hats off to the Jags. I mean they 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 shut that down. Yeah, the running game was really weak in this game. It, it just it didn't make a whole lot of sense how things were going because this is the Jags. It's not Indianapolis. It's not Tampa Bay. It's just the Jags who are one and seven and they're stopping the running game and the pass. I wish the running game could, could have got on track, but it, it honestly never did. The other thing was like, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. We touched on it is the pick by Rogers bad, bad throw. I don't know if he was forcing that or just, or what, but bad. And it came at a, it was at a bad time and on a bad part of the field. It was like, it's a different story. If, if, if you've got the Jags backed up a little bit, but man, it was not, not the case there. It was a bad time time on a bad part of the field yeah and a really bad throw it it was a bad decision by Rodgers it just looked like one of those average quarterback interceptions you know things that Aaron Rodgers rarely does that's the second one this season the one the first one he threw for a pick six against Tampa Bay was one that you don't see it was that uh coming across uh, from left to right it just was a bad throw absolutely let's finish with the bad so we can talk to Peter uh the special teams sucked they sucked all around and Ty Summers Oh my lord! Right. What was you, he fucking doing on that punt return? Did you know. see him? It looked like he had a heart attack and fell straight backwards. Oh like my he had God. no idea where to go. No one was even blocking him. I know. He like right. ran forward. He's like, wait. Stop. Well, not only that, 
he has to know he's the last valve to he's the last man there he's Correct. got to know that i mean he the the runner had already ran past like right. eight guys everyone else you know you're the last one you can't make a fucking play on that right and jk scott weighs about awful. 125 pounds he's not tackling anybody in fact that was awful it's not only the coverage I was looking for the coverage. I even froze the screen because, you know, like as soon as you see the guy like looking up in the air and waiting for it, he catches it. There isn't a Packer on, on the television screen. Well, right. Cause Scott Not boomed that ball like 98 yards. I mean, he kicked that ball so doggone far. Like 20 some yards between him and the next, the nearest Packer. And they just blew that. And JK Scott looked like, he needs to just run off the field after punts don't even bother even just run off because you're gonna get hurt six foot six just dive and get in the just be like a no don't do that i don't want him to do that at all i just want him to run off the field because he's gonna get hurt you know in high school when you look at the weights on the kids, like they give you the roster and you look on the, and it's like 205 pounds and you know that kid weighs like 165 pounds for real. I think that that's what they do with JK Scott. He weighs like 125 pounds, but they add like 40 pounds to him just to make him look like a football player. Well, not only that, I mean, on him, he shanked a punt too, which is very unlike him, but it was at a really bad time in the game. Yes. Really bad. That would have been the time to outkick the coverage, J.K. Kick one 80 yards down the field, not 29, in a huge spot. The special teams were absolutely... So besides the two bad turnovers, and it was by our best players, right? I mean, those are the, we talked about those. We don't need to kill back to it. So let's welcome our friend Peter, who has been very patient listening to us rant about J.K. Scott and our bad special teams. Good afternoon, sir. How are you today? Afternoon. I'm good. How are you guys? What's up, Peter? Do you need to rant a little bit? Because the, the mic is open for you to complain. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. I mean, the punt coverage team was clearly social distancing on that punt return. And, uh, um, I, I mean, I, I thought this was a game the Packers would win by about 28 points. And I'm not, us- I'm not usually that confident, but it was bad. They played down to the level of the opposition. And I guess a win's a win. We said the same thing. Sometimes you just got to win those ugly games. You know, we're the number one seed in the NFC right now with our uh, tiebreaker over the Saints. I mean, it, yeah, it is what it, what it is. Anything else before we move on? No, I'm good. I, I, I'd like to put that game behind us and, and, and move on. All right. Well, we got to talk about the defense, so sorry. You can add any negatives <laughs> when you feel like it, Peter. <laughs> so, what, Todd, talk about the good a little bit. I, I mean, probably the best thing that happened defensively was the – you know, they stepped up when they needed to at the end of the game to put the game away. But other than that, um, it was kind of few and far between. They did end up uh, getting a key stop to kind of ice the game at the end. I think it was the batted down pass and the uh, and a couple sacks, Gary getting in there on one. And it, I don't know if Zadarius was on the other, but they were collapsing the pocket. Um, they were able to get, get the game put away at that point. Apologies. I think that's, I think that's Gooty on the phone now. <laughs> is he calling because he wants you in the got front a new office? Contract for me. Nice. <laughs> I only get a defensive tackle. What are your thoughts, Peter? What, what What do you think went well in this game besides that last drive? Well, I, I, no, I mean I, I I agree. Defensively, they didn't. Again, they didn't look. They didn't look clever. But when you cut away from kind of what your eyes saw and you think that the defense held them to 13 points, 250-odd yards. That, on a normal day, is not not a bad performance. It's just that, I guess, other than the odd play here and there, and this has been the same a whole season long, the defense doesn't make any splash plays at all. And, and whilst you can, you, can, you can get away with that just about against Jacksonville, you're not getting away with that against Seattle or... No. Or even, you know, you know one of the AFC teams. And I think that's that's the... That's the struggle, and I think we've all just become fed up with this three-man with this three-man rush. Again, they got pretty much got away with it yesterday, but heck, it's not even like they're sending three good guys. You know, no. it's, it's not right. like I don't know. They uh, the the, the defence just just doesn't fill you with any certainly doesn't fill me with any inspiration, any confidence at all. You know, when they when they get up against somebody good, and you just feel like when they play one of those top teams, whether it's a Seattle or 
a Chiefs in the Super Bowl if we're lucky, that kind of team. The, 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 the offense is going to have to put up 40 points to win. Oh, easily. You know, right. And, that, and that's, ask, that's asking a lot to do that week in, week out. I know that I have warmed to Rashawn Gary, and I know that he doesn't show up in the stat line as being great in this game. And there was one play I texted Todd where I don't know what Rashawn Gary was doing. He was literally running around in space. Yeah. He was all by himself. I know. <laughs> there wasn't that. a guy within five <laughs> yards of not even a blocker within five yards of him. <laughs> but that said, I think he is starting to figure it out. And I'll say this. It used to be that Rashawn Gary would – just run himself around the end out of the pocket, like so deep beyond the pocket that he couldn't make the sack unless the quarterback was running for his life, right? Like he would get a sack only in that way. But I've watched Rashawn Gary. He will run that long, that long outside arc, but then the next couple of plays, he will stiff arm the, ta- the tackle and try to run inside. So I feel like he's starting to figure out that he has to have more than one pass rush move. What was that? Um, oh, God. Todd and I have talked about in the past. The Packers drafted that fool, Jamal Reynolds. Jamal Reynolds <laughs> used to sorry. run around yeah. the outside and yeah. hope to get a sack. And I felt like that was Gary. Yeah. I do feel like he's starting to put more things in his bag of tricks, and he's starting to figure things out. I hope so. I mean, he, he had a big play, a couple play, big plays last week and had one this week too. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the difficulties with the defense is the guys that you that played well last year and we kind of were hoping would take the next step, the safeties, Savage in particular, um, Preston Smith, those guys have just been non-entities this year. You know, yeah. and, you know with, with the defensive linemen, you know, Larry and Lancaster, you know what you've got, mm-hmm. right? So, awesome. so, so they're not... A disappointment because you know you know what they are, but the right. guys that you hope would you could rely on the Preston Smiths. I mean, he's just been an- anonymous this year and pretty much, and you know the safeties have been Savage in particular has been pretty anonymous. And I know he's been a little bit beat up, but even so, and I think that's the that's the biggest disappointment to me is those guys just haven't just haven't stepped forward. I think you I think you start Gary instead of Preston Smith at this point. Watching Preston Smith in this game, I think it was early on where they did a replay of where he was just, he was getting blocked and he just, and they, they ran it over and over, like basically how nonchalant he was and to just let the, the runner go by him. Like he didn't even make an effort. That to me is just kind of showing, I don't know if it's his late in his career or what, but. But it's uh, not, right? He's like 26. Out there. I, I think, I think at this point, I would tend to put Gary out there and use Preston Smith as a situational pass rusher. I think it's time. And you keep looking at Preston Smith thinking, we well, must be hurt or something. There's right. got to be something going on because nobody can be as anonymous as that as, bad. As he is. Yeah. yeah, it just well, particularly after the season he had last year, which now just seems like last year was the was the one that's here. that's not his normal season. And he plays yeah. old, like he's smashed up or something. So the pro- I agree with you, Todd, that we should that Rashawn Gary should start taking Preston Smith snaps. I don't disagree with that. I agree with that a hundred percent. But he's more I of did- the right side, right, Gary? I don't. He played on the. He was on the left a couple of times. In fact. He was on the left at the end of the game. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't care where he plays. The one problem is I looked up, I saw his PFF grade against the run, Rashawn Gary's, and he's like the second worst. Neither <laughs> one of them can collapse the hole. I mean, but I think Rashawn Gary is more physical at the point of attack than Preston Smith. And that absolutely. off-tackle run that you're talking about is less likely to happen with Rashawn Gary there. Rashawn Gary will run himself inside and screw that part up but he will put his hands on the tackle at least and at least try to collapse that play. He's a lot of times he's too early to collapse and they just run outside on him. Whereas Preston Smith kind of just pussyfoots and just stands there and they run inside the tackle, you know, between that tackle guard hole. So the timing I think of Gary is different, but I, I just think, yeah. He's the better option at this time, at this point. Yeah, and, and you've, got, you've got to believe the way that things are panning out with Bakhtiari's new contract, that Preston Smith's not going to be there next year anyway. 100%. He's gone. So, so, so it's time. You know, it's time that, that Gary starts taking at least yeah. half of Preston Smith's snaps, if not more, I think. Yeah, yeah. you are going to get effort out of We talked about this before. You're going to get effort out of Rashawn Gary. You may get bad plays, and he may run himself out of a play with his aggressiveness, but he's not going to give you what Preston Smith has given you, and that's no effort at all. Yeah. And, and there's also a point, at, at some point in time, you know, that guy's your first-round draft pick last year. He's got to play. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to see what you've got. And if you, right, if you don't have anything, it's time to move on from him. Yeah. 
Whereas Smith, right, Smith is an easy cut next year for the amount of money he's making. Bring him in as a situational pass rusher. Bring him in on third and long or whatever, because then you don't have to worry about putting him out on an island. And you can just, and he, yeah, he doesn't have to worry about the run. Put him out there when he's most effective and say goodbye. What else we got? So, right, other than the last, like, three plays of the game, there was no pass rush in this game. We just kind of talked about it. I don't know. Line looks like pass rushing, but I would say the last play or the second to last play it was from left to right it was gary then it was clark and then i can't remember who was on the right was it i think it was kiki and then zadarius smith and i could be wrong about that but i think that is their best their best pass rushing line any combination without lancaster and lowry is fine by me (laughs) right so Lowry had zero tackles in this game. He did have a pretty big pass defense, though. Him tipping that ball, and we'll talk about how bad we think Greg Jennings is, but Greg Jennings was right for at least one time in this game where that play may have gone for a touchdown. If Lowry doesn't put his hand up there, that receiver was running free into the secondary. So he made one play. And Lancaster had two tackles. It means he shared in two tackles. He did not have yeah, any no, so, so the two of them are just such a liability. And what and I'll, I'll segue into another bullet point here. But one of the things I see is like it, there's no secret, right? We mentioned this before. There's no secret to uh, game planning against the Packers defense. You run, you run the football between the tackles, and you keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. That's that's the you know that's the recipe for for success. And when you see the linebackers, right? We, you know the the defensive line is near to non-existent and so porous that you know you can penetrate through that. You've got linebackers playing back at least eight yards off the football. I can't understand that. Kirksey and those guys are like five yards back from the line. Well, you're already through the line. So those guys have to close that gap. Here comes the runner. The runner's going to get another two, three, or shake you and and get into the secondary i just don't understand it you know and i'm not a defensive coordinator but i'll play one because i can move those guys up take at least one step up for kirksey and and, and the linebacking crew because the defensive line is not doing anything they're coming right at the at the second line of defense i just couldn't understand that yeah i found one i mean that's blake martinez disease isn't it we'll make 100 tackles 10 yards down the field I, you know, and I, I don't understand it. And you think that having moved Martinez on or letting let him go and then replace him, and, and it looks like the scheme is exactly the same. Exactly. Yeah. You know, there may be a bit about the rookies, you want to give them time to read and react and all of that stuff. At some point, some point I mean, you to a degree, and it's more difficult when, when King and Alexander are out, but to, to a degree, you've got to sell out on the run because... And Todd's absolutely right. The teams are just going to run it and run it and run it. And until the Packers can show that they can stop the run, they're just going to keep coming. And, you know, that's when you get into the situation where the other team doesn't need a passing game. It doesn't need a, a, a great quarterback. You know, it can beat you with a with a Trent Dilfer type at that point if they can run the ball on you. And it, it just, the worry, I guess, for me, one of the many worries for me defensively is you just feel like they're neither one nor the other. You feel like they can't stop the run. But I'm not, so I'm not so sure that any of those linebackers so far have been that great in coverage. And you just feel like, I'm not sure right now that we can stop the run or the short passing game either. And Rob Gronkowski, who has done absolutely nothing other than the game against the Packers, yeah. made the Packers look bad. Yeah. He's done nothing else against anyone else, right? The linebackers, and I don't know if it's scheme. I, I guess I think, I've, I do think it's scheme. The success that the Buccaneers had against the Packers is something that I think the Packers should try. And that's the let's run blitz once in a while. Let's just run a linebacker into a hole, and they may make the mistake, pick the wrong hole, but you can't stop the run with the guys you have up front. you got to try something else. There was two fourth quarter third downs that they, they couldn't stop. I mean, they just, the Jags just ran right off tackle and, and got the first down. I mean, with, with so, such ease. And it's like, th- those are the plays that you got to step up and like really crowd the line of scrimmage. It didn't look, they had the right scheme. I mean, no, I, I, I agree. And I think that's the thing. You think it, is, it is the ease in which it's done. Third and five, third and six, that's a passing down. Well, you know against the Packers that there's a, there's a real good chance that they'll pick up third and six running the, running the ball. Mm-hmm. And it just looks so easy. It's, it's like... It's like we don't even lay a glove on the guy before he's eight yards down the field. And I don't know. If you, not- saw, you guys saw those uh, 
those two rushing touchdowns, right? They were both called back on a penalty. I mean, one was a pretty cheap hold and the other, but I mean, those were bad. Regardless of the penalty or not, those were really fucking bad. A lot of missed tackles along the way. I mean, yes, they, they both got called back on penalty, but still, those were awful plays and they got lucky they got off the Packers did get lucky I thought they benefited from quite a few penalties that went their way in this game it could have went south in the other direction we could have lost this game if those penalties now granted the one on Turner was that was a really bad holding call on Turner the one where he got blocked into the first not that one that one was really bad the one that he got called on yeah he kind of hooked that guy, but he didn't hook him to stop him from making the play. The guy wasn't able, wasn't going to make yeah. the play regardless. The way it's written in the rule book, it did qualify as holding. It is, did. Is that a, yeah, that's a touch one. That's a but touch I've one. said it before, man. If you're going to call holding, then just call holding. Let's stop well, with this. Flags every play. Yes. <laughs> well, then change the rules. Yeah. Or put, I don't know, but it, there is holding on every play. So, how do you call that in the – I don't get that. I don't like it at all because every time there's holding. So you just choose when you think holding is bad enough, and then you call it. Do you think they could have challenged the first penalty on Turner? I don't know if they can challenge a holding call. No, the first one, he got a chop block where he, no. got, he, got, he got shoved to his left and ended up falling into a guy, and they called him for a chop block. Peter, are you saying no to that? I, I would say they, they 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 ought to be able to challenge it, but by rule they can't. It's another one of those things that that's that's a officials' judgment call. Other than the experiment that they had with the pass interference rule last year, they've been pretty stringent. If it's a, if it's an officials' judgment, it's not challengeable. Uh, pretty much plays that are only a matter of fact are meant to be okay. challengeable. I mean, t- talking <laughs> talking about that, you know, that that one that. Um, Chandon Sullivan nearly got away with it was a ridiculous piece of officiating. I don't know what on earth was going on there. Right, the tip when, ball. When he was the one that tipped the ball, having you know, having the guy, you know, I don't know. <laughs> they really had a bad game. The officiating was really bad in this. There was like the D team. We got both the D team officials and yeah. the D team announcers, and we'll talk about that in a second. Other, other than the, you probably already touched on this. Other than the great block the official made on MVS's touchdown. Yeah. We did talk about that. Yeah, it was a great block by the official. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't get hurt on this on that play, actually, because he was right in the mix. He's lucky that guy hurtled over the top of him rather than ran him over because he would have been in, in some serious pain. Well, that's All a right. recap. That's a whole recap. So we have some miscellaneous observations. So, Peter, do you have any miscellaneous observations from this game before we, we say ours? Just, well, the one, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> well, before we get to this one, Right, and this is our the one I want to kind of get a little bit deeper into before we actually kind of open this up. Can you, Peter? Can you give us some some history on um, how you know the Greg Jennings transition from Green Bay to Minnesota, and maybe some of the drama that surrounded it, and what happened, and how it kind of went down before we get into talking about what a complete asshat that guy is. <laughs> yeah, this is a. I mean, it's a. It's a wasn't it Jordy? Uh, wait, so Jennings got hurt, right? And then it was Jordy and Cobb that stepped up. I think that was kind of the the season that that happened. And they, I mean, in in essence, he, he wanted more money than the Packers were prepared to pay. A lot more money than the Packers were prepared to pay. Mm-hmm. And of course, at that time, the Packer receiving core was was very deep, as you said. Jordy Cobb, James Jones, yeah. Michael Finley was still there. So you know, it was. It was very deep, and, and, and Jennings just wanted – I think he was one of those guys – and this happens a lot in free agency – one of those guys that kind of overvalues themselves. And, you know, and he was a really good receiver. I'm not going to knock him, knock him for that, but, but there's really good receivers, and then there's an upper, upper level. And he wasn't quite in that upper, upper level, and he just kind of overvalued himself. And I think that – I think because the Packers wouldn't pay that money, I think that was part of the reason he deliberately went to Minnesota. And I think – Ever since then, for whatever reason, and who knows what went on behind the scenes, other than the fact they wouldn't pay him the money, he's just had that chip, just had that chip on his shoulder ever, ever since, which is, which is a pity. Yeah. Um, it's one right. thing to go to the rival, right, and be bitter while you're still playing, but we're talking like what? What year was that? I mean, it was like talking over ten years ago. Oh yeah, about 20, 20, 2011, 2012. He still hasn't got over it. He still has not got over that. And my case in point is if anybody was watching the game, it was the touchdown to Devante. They go to a commercial break. Out of the break, 
they have the whole screen of the Packers' all-time leading touchdown receivers. And Chris Myers, they have it highlighted. <laughs> they have Jennings and, and uh, Adams highlighted at 53 touchdowns each. And Chris Myers says, well, look at that, kind of points it out. Look at that. He just Devontae Adams just moved into a tie with Greg Jennings, and it is fucking crickets. Nothing from Greg Jennings. Not a comment, not even a breath of air that came out of that guy. That was so awkward and just so Greg Jennings, right? He just can't get over this for, for whatever reason. It's, it, uh, yeah, and it's, it's so sad. So my little mini Greg Jennings story is that um, I used to know somebody in Michigan who was his dentist, of, of all things. Right? He's so, got great so, teeth. So. He has a great teeth. <laughs> so, so, you know, he played at um, Western Michigan Kalamazoo. Oh, that's right. And um, he was meant to be the nicest guy that anybody could ever meet. And yet, clearly, something along the way just went astray. I, I looked it up. So Jennings played his first season with Minnesota in 2013. Yeah. He was 30 years old at that point. Oh, I didn't realize. It. Yeah. Was he only played two awesome. seasons in Minnesota because he sucked. I mean, yeah. he wasn't worth the money that they paid him. He also played in Miami, which I didn't know. Oh, Jennings really? did. Yeah. He played 16 games. He only started five with the, and caught 19 balls when he was 32 years old. So you can't blame the Packers for letting go of a 30 year old wide receiver, right? There shouldn't be much more gas in a tank. And clearly no. there wasn't. So they made the right move on that. Yeah, and especially at the point when you've got all those other guys as well. Right. You know, and you know, you can't you can't pay everybody anyway. And at some point with all of these guys, you have to you have to move on, you know, you have to move on from them. Unless they're the upper, upper, upper echelon guys like a Bakhtiari is at some point you just have to move on from these guys. And some guys just don't understand the business side of it. Right. And there's just Yeah. They just they just don't want to do they they do, but they just I don't know. Right. I hope. <laughs> I hope. And Devante is closing in on his all-time receiving yardage. Is that correct, Dale? Yes, he has 600 more yards to pass Jennings in receiving yards. I hope to God that he is covering that game. I, I hope it's on the schedule that it just somehow falls in his lap and they point out that Devontae just passed him up on that. You know, and, some more salt into his wound. No, absolutely. And the, and the sad thing is, you know, in – in 10 or 20 years' time, when, I, when I'm sitting in here and even more greyer than I am now, we're looking back on this period. Talented as Greg Jennings was, I don't know where we're going to rank him on the list of guys from this kind of period when you think of yeah. the names that, you know, the, the Jordy Nelsons and the Cobbs and the Adams and all of those guys. You know, Jennings is going to be somewhere down that list, which is, which is sad for a guy who, who did have talent. Yeah, and like you said, he was a very good player. But that's where it ends, right? I mean, he was a very good player. He was not elite. The biggest thing, I think, for Packer fans is, is he bashed Aaron Rodgers. Him and Jermichael Finley said what a bad teammate Aaron Rodgers was. And he kind of kept going on that. Like, he kept, kept going. It right. was always what he said. And he kind of backed himself up every time. It's like, dude, listen, you are the only one saying this. You two dicks are the only one saying this kind of thing. And he's had hundreds of teammates thousands going back to high school yeah. so okay whatever happened between you and Aaron Rodgers it was between you and Aaron Rodgers you can't extrapolate to that he's a bad teammate because you and him didn't get along yeah and I, and I 100% believe that in a business like that whatever your personal feelings are when you're then in front of the camera broadcasting leave your personal feelings some, yeah. you know, behind you yeah you just because even if it's all true, it just reeks of sour grapes, doesn't it? It just yeah. reeks of, of somebody with a, a jealous somebody with a chip on the show. Just have it out with Aaron if that's your, if that's your issue or whoever it might be. But just, right. just, Privately. Leave, just, just leave it behind, you know? I mean, as a Packer fan, you know, having – what Jennings will probably be a Packers Hall of Famer, right? On the Packers side. It's possible. Be, whatever. But having a Packer in the booth is something I look forward to, right? Where I'm like – Cool. When, I think James Lofton had a quick stint too, but like, you know, in, in the box. But listening to those guys, their expertise and their in, inside knowledge of like the franchise and, and stuff like that, that's like a benefit for a Packer game, for a Packer fan watching a Packer game, right? But when you're just so bitter and you can't let it go and you're just being a, a complete dick during the games, I mean, it's just, I cannot stand the, having him there. And especially during this game. 
It was just right like, when the game is going poorly, it, it even it magnifies it already, him. It was already a complete disaster, and and just having him make any comment he made it just like right. got under my skin. I was just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Can you just not talk? Can Ugh. we just go quiet, dead silence during this game? That would make me feel more comfortable. Yeah. And so, sometimes I wish you'd get off the fence and tell us exactly how you really felt about Greg Jennings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, next time. Next time he's on, Todd, you can tell us how you really feel. I should invite him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would go real poorly, I think, for all of us. It would be a short interview. <laughs> so let's, let's move on. Uh, next week against the Colts. Peter, let's start with you. One or two keys. What do you think the Packers need to do to win this game? Well, I think that, I, th- I, th- I think that they've, they've probably got to, got to um, get the running game going a little bit better than they did yesterday. I've kind of got the, this view now that I probably should have had last year, that, that, that this team doesn't play well offensively unless Aaron Jones plays well offensively and contributes a lot. Funnily enough, you know, they may play better playing indoors in a dome than they than they did in the weather yesterday which begs all sorts of questions about whether or not you even want the number one seed but that's that's down the down the yeah. stretch I, I think that like every Packers game until they can stop the run they're in trouble and I think they have to they have to be able to stop the run I don't think that Philip Rivers at this stage in his his career is going to kill you he's going to pick up his he's going to pick up his yards still a solid solid player but he's never had the greatest arm to begin with and it, it's it, it's not certainly not great now so I, I think again, I think the the key for the Packers is stop the run and run the football. Do you think it's Aaron Jones that needs to start that running game? Yeah, well, for for, for me, yes, because because he's he's the he's the explosive guy in that in that running game, and then I think the rest of the running game, the Jamal Williams, really works off of oh, what Jones, what Jones gives you. I, th- I think they've really got to work Jones into that. And, it, and although I mean he had. 18 or 19 touches yesterday, but it didn't feel like it. It didn't feel they ever got that running game really going yesterday. And I think, I think they've got to get it going next Sunday. Ty, what about you? What's the key to this game? Honestly, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of gaps to fill, but I, I think before they start to really, I think they honestly have to have a team meeting. I think Aaron Rodgers or, and some of the leaders got to get in front of the team, you know, kick the coaches out of the room, go old school, back to like high school stuff. And just getting guys' ass and say, hey, look, our lack of effort is not going to get us to the Super Bowl. Playing the way we are right now, lackluster, unaggressive, it's not going to get us anywhere. We're, we're beating teams that are, in some cases, bad teams, but barely beating them. And we could do so much more. I, I think they just have to, as players, kind of come together and try to – Try to figure this out on their own. I mean, they've got the talent. They've got a, a good coaching staff, maybe minus Patton. But um, I think they just have to kind of like look inside to see what the hell's going on and try to right this ship and get healthy, right? I mean, we, we got to get King and Alexander back because the Colts have do have a, a, a well-established run game. I don't think that's going to – I don't think the ship is going to be on course for that, but I don't know. I, I think I think they can – this is going to be a kind of a shootout game. I think they can't turn the ball over like they did uh, in this game. I think it's going to be close. I think this game is real close because the Colts have a, a, a pretty good defense. I would agree with that. My key is – so I know Jonathan Taylor, former Badger, is their leading rusher right now. But I've watched him. He doesn't scare me as much as, is it Hines? Naeem Hines? Who scares me a bit because he's more versatile out of the backfield. And it goes back to what you said before, Peter, where I don't think we can stop the short pass. I think that out of the backfield, Hines is very dynamic and he scares me. That guy scares me. Yes, Jonathan Taylor running between the tackles. We know that that's what he did at Wisconsin, so that's what he's going to do against the Packers as well. But I think just stopping that group is big. And I know that that's not a revelation. Like, we could say that probably every week, that the Packers need to stop the run every week. Their leading receiver is some fool, like, I never heard of. Zach Pascal is their leading receiver right now. I don't know who that is. (laughs) I have no idea. Sounds like a pastry chef, doesn't it? He does. He's got to be a tight end, right? I'm not even going to click on the link to him because I don't want to see that he came from like Kalamazoo State or something like that. And he's their leading you know, pass catcher. Like Peter said, Philip Rivers is going to do Philip Rivers and he's going to be okay, right? He's not going to be spectacular. We talked about this last year when we weren't doing this podcast, how you just need to punch 
Phillip Rivers in the mouth a couple of times. He can't run. Yeah. He's not going to go oh. anywhere. He's like a statue. He's like that guy on that electronic football game that we used to play with the guys that would spin around in circles and he'd <laughs> hold the ball in his arm. That's Phillip Rivers. He just stands there like that. He's a very good player, but he's not going to scare you with his legs. That's for sure. So I think that, that, that for me, that's the key is to stop the running back group. Yeah, and, you know, in recent times, you know, Rivers will throw one or two up, you know, yeah. for, for, for grabs. And, and I guess, you, like, like, again, like every game, you've got to take advantage of those, especially given, you know, the Packers' lack of turnovers, forced turnovers this season. You've got to take advantage of every opportunity you get. You know, we didn't talk about the history, Peter. What, what do you got for a Colts-Packers history? It should be longer than Jags and Texans. <laughs> They've been in the league longer. Yeah, so, well, one of the great, you know, the Baltimore Colts were one of the great franchises, and you go back to the late 50s and that Colts team of Johnny Unitas and Ray Berry and Lenny Moore and those guys, and they won the championship 58-59, and then that long contest with, with Lombardi's Packers all the way through the 60s is just a wonderful, wonderful franchise. And then, you know, when Bob Ursay moved that team in 84 to Indianapolis, it just was never the same never the same again it's a it's a series the Packers actually trailing so it's one of the few that the Packers are slightly slightly behind in I think it's 21 23 and 20 22 and 1 I think it is in the okay. series there are a couple Packers are a couple of games behind in that series they're three and six since the team went to Indianapolis so they've kind of fallen behind in that series since the since the 80s and the Packers have never won in Indianapolis Oh, and four there. And I was there in '97 when Indianapolis was 0 and 10, and the Packers were going in 8 and 2 with the you know the great Super Bowl team and whatever else, and got beat. Lindy Infante was was coaching the Colts game. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so he couldn't win any for the Packers, but he managed to beat the Packers that day. And um, <laughs> what was what I've always remembered about that game is the Packers never stopped the Colts all day that game, even though the Colts were 0 and 10. And of course, the Packers went back to the Super Bowl that year, and the defense played about the same way in that Super Bowl as they did against the Colts <laughs> that 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 day. That's a couple of other things with with Paul Horning passing this week. Um, you know, one, a couple of the classic games that Horning had for the Packers was a five touchdown game against Baltimore in '65, which is the only Packer to score five touchdowns in a game. He also scored 33 points in a game against the Colts in the early 60s, which is the Packers' record for points in a game as well. So kind of poignant that those two things, um, you know, come up. Yeah, come this, up week. this week. And yeah, and the Colts, unfortunately, this is a bad one. The Colts hold the record for winning margin over the Packers. They beat the Packers 56 nothing in a oh, game in wow. 1958, which is an even bigger winning margin than the one the Bears had against the Packers in that horrendous 1980 game when they ran up the score. So yeah, that's pretty much it. There's not a lot of so there's thirty odd players that have played for both the Colts and the and the and the Packers. That's the two obvious or two biggest names, probably Fuzzy Thurston. So it was on the fifty eight Colts team when they won the championship and then won five with the Packers. So he's one of the few players that's won six won six wow. NFL championships. And I guess the other big name that we tend to forget because he only played for the Packers for one year and I was a wee slip of a lad and you guys were younger was Ted Ted Hendricks, who played with the Colts and then played one fantastic year with the Packers in 74. And, and then, then they Bart, let him go to the Raiders, right? That's, that's exactly right. Bart Starr wouldn't pay him the money and off off he went, you know. So, yeah, so that's kind of where we are. There's only Devin Funches, if you want to count him, Billy Wynn are the only two guys on the Packers roster that have played previously for the Colts. So this isn't one of Tyler Irvin's previous, previous teams. <laughs> no. didn't. Tyler Irvin didn't play for the Colts. <laughs> the well, one Packer that – I'm sorry, Todd, go ahead. Mikowski. Magikowski, yeah. So there's, so there's 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 six or seven quarterbacks. Um, oh my gosh, Mikowski, uh, even um, likes of Blair Keel, Matt wow. Hassel, Matt Hasselback ended his career. Uh, really, really. Yeah. Uh, Scott Tolzien, yeah, was the bat was Peyton yeah. Manning's backup at Indianapolis. Yeah. So who else? Mike Pryor, of course, who played on the Packers Super Bowl teams, was with Indianapolis before he came to the oh, came wow. to the Packers. Um, the one that comes to my mind is Tony Mandrich. Tony Mandrich. Tony yeah. Mandrich played, yeah. you know, he actually played pretty well. He kind of resurrected himself with the yeah. Colts. I mean, he couldn't live the hype down that yeah. he had, right, with the Packers. So he couldn't be an average player with the Packers, but he went on to be a, you know, relatively average player with yeah, the Colts. Mandrich and um, Jeff Ezra, Saturday. It's Jeff Saturday. So he went from the Colts to the Packers. Um, 
Yeah, and played pretty well. And Ezra Ezra Johnson went from the Packers to the Colts. I loved Ezra Johnson when we were kids. (laughs) I really did. About the only player that was worth a shit. Yeah. In the 70s? On the Tim Harris theme, the guy that replaced Tim Harris with the Packers, Tony Bennett. After he left his heart in San Francisco, he went to... He went to Indianapolis. I love when yeah. you bring that stuff up, Peter, because those are things I would never remember, <laughs> those, those players. But they bring back memories for sure. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's just sometimes stuff just for some reason just sticks in your head and then you think of one, one player and you think of somebody else. And, and it's an interesting story. I know we, you touched on it last week, the Timmy Harris and Mike Holmgren trade thing. So as you said, it's really unusual for a coach to be traded for draft picks. What normally happens is the draft picks are given up as compensation. Oh. And that's what happened. That's what. There's Gooty again. Um, Pick it <laughs> um, up. And, that, and that's what happened in the case of Holmgren going to the 49ers. But, but um, the Packers were duped a little bit. So the 49ers and the league office apparently told the Packers that there was a clause in Holmgren's contract, a compensation clause in his contract, that any team that, that signed him as a head coach had to give up draft pick compensation. Hmm. And the Packers and 49ers negotiated it, and it, it came down to a second-round pick, which was one of the picks they got from Timmy Harris. And then Ron Wolf in his book, writes that when they sat down with Holmgren's agent, once they'd got him into Green Bay, Holmgren's agent came out with, the, with Holmgren's contract that he had with the 49ers, and it had never been signed. So it was, complete, it was completely invalid. So the Packers shouldn't have had to give up that, that compensation and, and the Packers apparently complained to the league but never got anywhere and Wolf in, in one of the books that he's written is you know he was fuming and still fuming to this day apparently about it that's yeah, crazy it, who doesn't sign their contract well there you go you have to be real confident in yourself <laughs> to just work without a contract I guess <laughs> jeez but but yeah it's 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 weird old weird old stuff happens um that's crazy you know and, and Wolf you know Wolf thought that it was the 49ers as one of the top teams in the league at that time were getting special privileges. And the Packers as one of the more lowly teams at that point in time were not. Sort of sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's something to that. Maybe we should wrap it up here. Unless you got some more stuff like that, Peter, because I'll listen to you for another half hour. <laughs> you got I, cool stuff like that. I, I, got, I got loads of stuff, but... <laughs> All right, let's leave it. Let's leave it for another day. So it was good talking to you guys. Let's talk again. Uh, after a Packer win versus the Colts. Awesome. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Pack, go. go.